Welcome, everybody, to uh, this month's episode of the Keep On Rolling podcast here. Um, today, we're going to be joined by a couple of different guests. We had a, a question posed to us uh, about a month or two ago that, that seemed kind of simple in the beginning, but really, when you started digging into it, you realized, man, there's a lot of things that go into how we get tires out to the market and how we manage what we think our customers are going to want to buy. Um, so this is a question that kind of kicked things off for us. And one of the things we thought would be really helpful with this would be starting off basically from the TSM level, going up and seeing how you guys report information to your district managers, how your district managers take it to the region, to the forecasting group, and then ultimately to our supply chain group to make sure those tires get produced and they get allocated to the proper spaces. So that's going to be kind of the game plan for today. So fortunately, I've got a, a great expert here in the studio with us today to start things off with us. Uh, talking about how he manages this from the field side. So I've got Charles Crosby here with us today. And Charles, I'll let you go ahead and do a quick introduction for yourself. Hey, Josh. Thanks so much for allowing me to join. Uh, Charles Crosby, district manager for the Northeast, so covering New York and Boston um, for the truck tire division, obviously. I've uh, been with Conti now for, what's this, nine years? I think this is year 10 coming up. So a decade of my life, and uh, it's been a fun ride, so can't complain. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you again for, for joining with us here and talking a little bit about forecasting and supply chain and all these kind of fun buzzwords that, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we were probably all sick and tired of talking about. But uh, you, you've kind of been through a, a good selection of uh, forecasting and supply differences, right? I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, remember, was it probably about three, four years ago where it was, it was pretty easy to go find just about anything in a DC can, and then uh, dealing with things that changed a couple of years ago. Um, or it was really difficult, right? So, I mean, any of those experiences really jump out to you? I mean, what, what's kind of changed over your tenure here at the company with regards to to managing that forecast? Yeah, so I, I started, I became a manager during the pandemic. And obviously during that time, we had to get a really good grasp on our production levels, our inventory levels, um, our sellout, things that were going on in the market. Um, so things have changed quite a bit. Um, I would say that obviously now where we are coming out of the pandemic, um, things have gotten a little bit easier, but it's still very important, right? The communication piece has always been there and should have always been there and should continue, um, you know, just to get real world feedback, right? And compare that to the internal data that we have and, and match that up, marry that up um, and take actionable steps after that. I think it's uh, it's always been very helpful. Yeah. So I think you brought up a really good point, too. I mean, thinking about how things changed really during the pandemic, right? We'd had a few kind of inventory crunches back in the day and things like that, but I don't think we really got that standardized process down where forecasting was was a part of everybody's job really mm -hmm. post-pandemic. So it became something that a lot more folks were kind of in tune with. And that's really what we kind of want to talk about today is I think everyone has kind of their own different idea of how this looks in terms of managing a forecast, right? So, I mean, yeah. I think a really fun way we can kind of go through this and explore it is, let's say you've got a TSM who is signing a new customer, right? you got this brand new customer. We won't make them a waste haul fleet or anything like that with, the, with some of those fun <laughs> article numbers. But, you know, you've got a TSM who's got a brand new account they just signed. They come to you and they say, hey, I've got this account. You're excited for me, obviously. But what do you start thinking about in terms of the forecasting side? What are some of the questions you might be asking for them? Well, the first step that we implemented was the business plan, right? Whenever a, a territory manager, FSR even, creates a, a new account or goes to open up a new account, they send us a business plan with their forecast, right? So that gives us a really high-level view of, okay, this particular account is looking to buy new tires. Okay, how many for the calendar year? Are they looking to buy retreads? Yes or no. 
Digital Solutions is another component of this, right? We want to say, hey, are they a prospect? Are they not? Um, so we try to get an idea, high level of what type of volume a new customer can bring. And if so, what segments does it impact, right? And then from there, we can take it to a little bit more micro level and ask more questions. Okay, are they buying 313s? Are they buying 11Rs? Are they products? Are they looking for products that are pretty readily available, right? Low pro trailer tire, you should be fine. Right. <laughs> uh, 19.5s, you should be fine. Um, so we, we really take that imp- that feedback. Um, it's very, very critical, very important. So I would encourage anyone in the team, you know, whenever you're developing these business plans, really put some thought into, you know, what you're developing. Um, talk to the, the fleet customers, right? Get real world information from them um, to be able to move forward. And, and from that point on, it's good for us. And what we do in the North region is, you know, have a monthly call with someone from supply chain and communicate any, any updates or changes that we may see coming on the horizon. Perfect. Yeah, you, you bring up a couple of really interesting things there. I mean, that, that business plan is, is really beneficial for this, right? If you have good data going into it, it's something that's going to carry through that relationship with that customer for a really long time. I mean, it, it helps you get those numbers straight to make sure you've got product available for them for that year. I mean, especially if you've got customers who are doing a big year-end buy or something like that, or if they got those unique buying habits, I mean, that information is is really critical to, to be able to get to you guys. So it's uh, yep. it's nice to hear the the utilization of uh, of those kind of tools and and how uh, they, they continue to live on. So you also brought up talking to the fleet to get some of that insight. I mean, that's that's a really good conversation to have too when you go in there with that national account credit app here and you're starting to have those conversations. Hey, what are you thinking you're going to buy? Right? I mean, yeah, and not only that, but you can kind of piece together whether or not, you know, someone is just using you for short term or not, right? So yeah. if you're going in and having those conversations, it's hey, are we solidifying a long-term long-term agreement here? You know, um, am I being are you open giving me a credit app just because Michelin ran out of tires? Um, is this the real thing? Um, and you really want to ask those right questions. And, you know, it's not an easy conversation to have to ask someone, hey, why are you buying from me? Um, but that's the skinny of it. Why are you buying from me? And how long are you going to be buying from me? <laughs> I, I mean, all important information. Hey, you got a great reason to ask, right? I want to make sure I got yeah. tires for you. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's a good reason to, to have that difficult conversation with, uh, with some of those fleet managers here, especially. All right. So you talked a little bit about how you guys have a call with somebody in supply chain about once a month in your region. So what, what do those calls kind of look like? What, what kind of information are you usually bringing to those calls? Yeah, I have to give a shout out to Reed Morrow. Um, he's the one that handles that, at least for our region, um, discussing, you know, kind of historical trends. Um, we look forward to future production schedules um, that are either, <clears throat> excuse me, um, whether it's domestic or import. Right. Um, so we really dive into the numbers, right? And we try to come with the, the district managers and the region managers who are involved, even key account managers as well, um, real world impacts that might have been, uh, you know, skewed a number, right, in the month of March, when now it's September and we're looking back and saying, hey, why, what, was the, what was the spike? Was there a shortage with another competitive supplier? Was there a new customer that came on board? If there was a dip in, you know, sellout from the RDCs to the customers, and so, okay, did we lose a, a bid somewhere, right? Um, was there a tire issue somewhere? So it's always good to give context to that so that whenever we, especially this year, you know, you consider we're rolling out new products. In 2019, we rolled out a full product uh, group for the construction segment. Um, so it's good to take a look at what we've done so that we can decide where we need to go. Um, and But in that, in that 
discussion in that monthly meeting that we have, there's a lot of good things that can be uncovered um, that we have, you know, outlook towards, right? A lot of, a lot of future things coming down the pipe that we can be aware of so that whenever we do get that new credit application for a fleet who wants to buy 315s or 385 drivers, for instance, call it, right? Um, we can tell our team, hey, you need to be prepared to have these conversations that there will be a one to two month lag, right? Is the plant going to shut down? Okay, yes. How many weeks? Okay, we need to know what to give our team for expectations so that they can, you know, pass that on to the field. Um, so those, those meetings are very, very valuable. Um, I, I've had nothing but good luck out of them. So, um, and we also give our inputs into whether or not we expect something coming down the pipe. So for us in the North, we like to predict our winter tires, right? <laughs> or some of our more attraction based tires, um, sometime in the summertime. And, we, and that's a good place to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like it's, it's a great opportunity to, to have information from the, the TSM, FSR, the, the sales frontline kind of level going to the corporate office, going to that forecasting group, and also having that information come back the other way too, where you can say, hey, we know we're going to have a problem. We know we're going to have a delay. We know we're going to have this coming up on the horizon. It, it allows you to get with your guys so you guys can get ahead of a problem before it becomes a problem, hopefully. Yes. There's nothing worse than looking back after you walked into a fleet and you have to tell them, I don't know why we don't have the tire, <laughs> right? It's much, much, in my opinion, it's a better approach to walk in before the shortage happens and then notify them of their alternative options. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, hey, hopefully if, if we're far enough ahead and there's available inventory, maybe this is something where you go in there and, and try to talk about, hey, let's let's go and have a bigger buy up this month to help float you through because we've got a plant shut down coming down or coming on here in December. Right. Or, or yep. we've got something coming up here. Let's <laughs> let's get you a couple extra units just to make sure you're OK, because otherwise it might be a couple weeks. Right. And uh, it can be a good way to help prevent that competitor tire from floating into that fleet for you. So it's a, it's a good, good way to get that kind of information both ways for everybody. Perfect. Well, I think uh, it sounds like our, our next step in our on our uh, journey for this podcast, we'll be uh, sitting down to talk to Reed Murray a little bit here and, and learning a little bit more about what he does with this information from those calls. So before, uh, before we jump over to that, that conversation though, do you have anything you'd like to, you know, any words of wisdom you'd like to impart to the field, anything you'd like to share, uh, any uh, words of wisdom or anything like that regarding forecasting supply chain? Yeah, I would just say, keep, keep in constant communication with everyone in the team, right? It, it takes, it's a real team effort. Um, and I know in some days, some weeks, some months, some some ways we, we feel like we're very siloed from the, either our own group, the CAM group, whoever, right? Um, keep that constant communication. It should be TSMs, RNSs, FSRs, CAMs, DMs, region managers, all working together to understand what things are moving and shaping in the market, right? So if if one fleet gives you a tidbit of information, that's pertaining to their, your specific market or a, a group of markets, a tire, a competing brand. Um, pass that information along, right? Not just up, pass it along to anyone else that you touch um, so that everything can kind of move and flow together, right? Um, no, no information is, is just dead information. You should just really share that within the team. And I think it's, uh, it could be powerful. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really great point. I mean, it, it also kind of made me think of something we hadn't really talked about earlier, but you know, when you're talking about uh, an article number for one customer, it's not just that one customer who's buying that article number, right? It's going to influence other customers at that dealer, other customers in your territory, in your district, in your region. So, I mean, don't be afraid to over-communicate. I think it's a, it's, it's a really good message to take away from this 
Um, you know, especially not not knowing what uh, you know the next few months might hold in terms of inventory, and, and the, yeah. the more <laughs> habits you build, and, and the more you can stay ahead of it, the better uh, you'll, you'll be set up for those kind of tough times. So. For sure, for sure. I mean, if you start to see a, a Bridgestone or Michelin or Goodyear tire tearing apart, and you think there might be some uh, customer service issues or warranty issues, please pass that along so we, so we can be prepared. <laughs> hey, that, that's helpful for more ways than just forecasting, right? That's exactly. Good information Don't just point at it and say, "See, I told you that tire was bad." Tell somebody. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, hey, Charles, I appreciate your time today. Thank you for uh, for joining in here. And uh, thanks for giving us the uh, the next step in the supply chain process here. So we'll be uh, sitting down with Reed here in just, uh, just a minute. So thank, thank you so Charles. much. I appreciate you. All right. Well, we are back here again. So after we wrapped up our conversation with Charles that uh, you guys just finished listening to, as he mentioned, we wanted to talk to Reed Murrow next to learn a little bit more about what happens after that meeting that we were just talking about. Um, so I tell you, before we get into that, though, Reed, why don't I uh, let you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah. Hey, everyone. Uh, Reed Murrow here. I'm the market demand planner for the U.S. replacement market for truck tire. Um, I've been with Continental for a little over four years now. I joined September of 2019. Um, and done a lot of, I think, different stuff in that time, but all kind of revolving around demand planning and um, managing, you know, our customers' needs um, and trying to, you know, figure out exactly uh, how we can facilitate getting them every tire that, that they need. Perfect, perfect. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to, to join us here today. And you, you came highly recommended, I, I guess it's probably the right way to put it here. So uh, oh, okay. thank you. you. Know, we, we, we just talked to Charles Crosby, and he mentioned uh, a little bit about kind of his process from the field sales side, um, and how he manages forecasting from his side. And he said, you know, really, mm-hmm. what they do is, is they have a meeting with the whole North region, uh, which he's a part of. Um, they sit down with you. And uh, so when you could kind of mm-hmm. start off by telling us about what happens during that meeting and uh, and what kind of information you're trying to get as it pertains to how we get tires out to the rest of our team and to our customers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I have one of these um, monthly meetings with every region and the CAMs um, every single month, uh, basically, no matter what. Um, and the purpose of these is basically to discuss uh, trends that I see uh, within the region, whether you're looking at a trend that's long term, say six, seven plus months, um, whether it's something that's recent, like in the last two or three months and it's just starting to develop um, or, you know, also to try and, and pinpoint and figure out, you know, if we had a specific tire that say we had 300 percent more sold last January. And, you know, uh, right now we're in December and I'm looking into January and so I'm going to go back and, and ask the uh, ask the region to figure try and figure out like, hey, you know, we sold 300 percent more last January than we normally do. Is that something that we can you know expect again in this upcoming January um, so that we can make adjustments to, you know, try and make sure that we have the tires available in case that is something that is going to occur again um, or, you know, it, to also figure out, hey, maybe we had already planned it in because we saw it uh happened last January, but that was a one-time deal. So we don't actually need to plan for that same business, you know, again in the upcoming month. Um, So it's, uh, yeah, these meetings are a chance to to address uh, questions like that and concerns from my end to try and make sure that we're adjusting our demand forecast, which is the direct input basically to, to the plants and the warehouses on, you know, what our market is going to need and where we're going to need it. 
um, the demand forecast is is rolling. Um, it's you know we've got something in the system at an article level out 18 months at any given time, um, but it's constantly being updated. Um, you know we really focus on looking at the next three months out um, and keep it rolling like that. Um, but it is you know it's a constant evolving thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's really interesting to to hear about it like that. I mean, I know uh, when I was talking to to Charles, we talked a little bit about you know kind of this idea of hey, you've got a, a new account you're signing. How do we change mm-hmm. the forecast to fit accordingly? But you know, you, you brought a really good point, which is you know you're also looking back historically, right? You're you're looking back mm-hmm. and see hey, what else might have happened, or what else do we need to be prepared for? And yeah, I really like how you you know you added in there that bit where you said you know is this something we already forecast for, right? When we had that huge increase last January, well, January coming back up again, is there a, a fleet or a customer who has that kind of huge seasonality impact to them? Um, you know, and, and have we already dealt with it or is it something we need to be aware of again? So I think it's, that's a couple of really interesting points you brought up. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you know, the historical information is, is, is really the basis, you know, for all of the seasonality and trying to, to predict, you know, what products are going to grow and at what rate. Um, but there's stuff, you know, that comes into play that, you know, wasn't planned for whatsoever. That's that's a part of that, whether it be, you know, uh, good or bad. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is, you know, something that's constantly evolving and it's really good to try and get in, you know, some face to face time with the, the regional sales manager and our, our cams and our district managers to be able to kind of review this this information. You know, we don't necessarily have to get down to looking at every single tire that we sell, but, you know, there's going to be key things that we want to look at and review every single month, you know, because we have, you know, key fleets or key dealers, um, you know, that, that buy a significant amount of it, or that it's at least at the very least very important for them to, you know, have every, every single one that they possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of at your level now where you're looking at this beyond just the level of, of what one individual customer needs, right? You're you're at this level mm-hmm. now where, I mean, if we kind of look at the whole chain of, uh, of, of tire custody. Uh, you know, you start yeah. off with your fleet who's buying from your dealer. Your dealer needs to have stock of those tires. In order for the dealer to have stock of those tires, that the tire had to be present in a DC somewhere for us. And in order to be in mm-hmm. the DC, it had to go through plant production. So you kind of got all these different levels. So I, you think you can talk a little bit more about uh, how you manage um, demand from that kind of dealer level down in the fleet side. I think Crosby kind of talked about how they manage it from the, the fleet side. But, you know, let, let's keep going upstream a little bit. Let's, you know, w- let's see how we manage that process moving on up here. Yeah. So, um, you know, unless it's a fleet that is buying everything direct, you know, not going through any dealer, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm how I view the, uh, the actual order and, and sales information is uh, primarily focused on, you know, what is the dealer buying? Because they're the ones that are actually placing the orders with us. Right. Um, and when it comes to forecasting that, so we don't really do any um, specific customer level forecasts actually, you know, that, that say that the plant can see, you know, they don't necessarily know, you know, that 4,000 units of um, some specific tire next month is supposed to be, you know, for, for Southern Tire Mart or, you know, or for McCarthy or, who, or whoever, um, they're just seeing like, hey, they need, you know, 8,000 of, of this specific tire for the U.S. and it needs to go, you know, to, to these various uh, um, warehouses. Um, so, we, yeah, we don't do anything that's really customer level unless they're, um, they're a fleet that buys uh, direct. Um, everything is really stored at a regional level. So, you know, obviously the U.S., we split the region into four uh, or the country in the four regions, the North, the South, the Midwest, and the West. 
Um, so we have a different forecast for, you know, for the West region and the Midwest and et cetera, et cetera. Um, within that regional level forecast, what we do is we dig down to an article level um, and then the warehouse that that um, that that region is supposed to, you know, primarily be serviced out of. So, you know, for say for the West, they mainly get all of their tires from the Redlands warehouse. So when we break down their um, article level forecast, the majority of their volume is planned to be um, in and out of the Redlands warehouse. Whereas you might have, say, the Midwest who, you know, geographically with where they're located, they take um, tires monthly from multitude of different warehouses. Um, you know, they'll take a large portion of their volume from Lockbourne. Um, but they'll also take some stuff out of Texas. They'll take some volume out of Gainesville, um, you know, and then they'll also, of course, have uh, direct plant shipments. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, when it comes to breaking down that actual information, um, you know, we use a, a lot of the steering of the warehouse level um, projections based off of the sales history. Um, so, you know, we know that we we move orders around based off of where availability might be at the time. And so we have to do when it comes to actually splitting the, the forecast down to the warehouse, we have to do some manual uh, corrections to skew uh, or to fix some of that skewed data. Um, and so that's a that's a process that I have to go through every single month. It's done primarily at the end of the month, uh, but it's uh, you know definitely a time consuming and an important one, um, especially you know in times where when you look at the last couple of years when we didn't have enough tires, um, you know we we were shipping things wherever we could get it from. And then when we go into this year, you know, it's a different kind of market dynamic. Um, and so we have some tires, sure, that we don't necessarily have as much as we want of, but we have some other tires that we have, you know, a little bit too much of. Yeah. And, and I mean, you've got a, a lot to have to go in there and, and go through and try to balance to make sure. I mean, I, I never really thought about it for the Midwest region, I guess a little bit too for the South where you, you got options, right? It's not just pulling from one DC mm-hmm. necessarily. You've got, uh, you know, whether it's the Clinton plant or the Mount Vernon plant. I mean, you, you got a lot of these options that I can only imagine makes it pretty tricky to to try to make sure you get the right tire in the right spot at the right time for the right customer. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's, it's, I'd say it's easier some months than others. Um, you know, sometimes things are going exactly as planned. And, you know, when you get down to look reviewing like the warehouse level information, you don't have to spend that much time on it. Um, but there are, that's, that's more of the exception. I would say most of the time it's, you know, spending s- several hours going through, um, all of those different figures and making different adjustments. And, um, but there's, you know, different variables that, that come into play. Um, and, you know, one of the things, uh, that, you know, is pertinent to that is, you know, customer preferences for how they, you know, receive their tires. So, you know, a majority of our customers, they just take normal shipments from our warehouses or the plant, you know. Um, however, they, uh, you know, wouldn't receive tires from basically any other company as well. Um, but, you know, we have some examples where the customers have preferences to pick up their own tires. You know, some of the larger fleets uh, like to do that. Um, and so, you know, we have to plan around that and have to communicate really with them, too, as far as, you know, availability month to month. It definitely adds uh, another level of complexity to it when you think about, uh, you know, these other options for customers to be able to go pick them up themselves instead of them going through a traditional dealer channel and, and things of that nature. So definitely mm-hmm. adds uh, another level of complexity that I, I wouldn't have really thought about, you know, when my time in the field of, of having you know, also some orders in there that are designated to be direct ship twos here. So interesting, sure. uh, interesting detail to look at as well. Yeah, yeah, and kind of talking a little bit more about the the um, you know the monthly meetings that that I do with uh, with the region. So you know it's to it's to focus on any of those kind of trends in those different time periods, like I was talking about. Um, you know whether it be something that's you know uh, 
say surpassing what we're forecasting, you know, demand is coming in a lot, you know, higher or, you know, say incrementally higher every month than we're forecasting, um, you know, trying to uh, figure out exactly what's driving that, you know, obviously I can go and look at and see who the customer is or customers that's driving it, um, you know, but that doesn't necessarily give me the context to what's going on um, driving that increase or decrease. Um, you know, I, that's when it's really important to get that information from the field. Yeah, well, I think it's it's really interesting you bring up because Charles talked about the same thing, right? Which is, you know, we don't know, we don't know. It, it, every bit of information that uh, we can get communicated in the field helps us to be better prepared, right? So I think I think that's really interesting to look at. I mean, I, you know, I guess kind of looking beyond. So you, you get this information from the region meetings. You you really mm-hmm. work at the region level forecast, and I'm guessing you put all that information together. What what happens with that forecast next after those meetings? Yeah, so after those meetings, you know, I'll take all of the different notes that that I get from that and and make any adjustments. So obviously, I'll take that. I'll go look at and review what we currently have in the uh, in the forecast for that region on whatever tire um, or tires we're talking about, um, and I'll compare, you know, the, basically the customer split of who's already buying it um, and the percentage overall. Um, so once I've gathered all that information, I'll go and do some final reviews um, throughout the last couple of weeks of each month. Um, and go and upload that information into SAP. Um, so, you know, I think all of us use SAP in some capacity for throughout the company. There's a lot of different um, screens you, you could say that you can go and look at. Um, one of the ones that I think the, the field sales um, and inside sales and whatnot will have the most familiarity with is uh, just the inventory screen um, or, you know, just an, an order screen to show, uh, you know, what's on order for each of their customers. Um, I use that information, too, because it's, you know, a live snapshot of what we have and don't have an inventory. Um, But I put all of these different um, forecast related figures into a different area of SAP um, that is then viewed from the plant and the warehouses pretty much constantly. And then the next really level of that would be, you know, the plant reviewing it um, and the warehouses and supply chain uh, reviewing it. So um, one of the things that's important for them to get out of that information as well is, uh, you know, if we have customers uh, or when we have products that are dual sourced, so, you know, something like 80 plus percent of our uh, of the tire commercial tires that we sell in the U.S. is is produced in the U.S. So, you know, we've got Mount Vernon, we've got the Clinton plant. Um, but, you know, over the last couple of years, um, really a big part of it being, you know, some of the, the issues we faced during, uh, you know, the COVID years um, were not having uh, enough products that are dual sourced and you might think you know well why would we want to source things from other places or other um or other countries well you know we're a large company and we've got manufacturing facilities in a lot of different places um and you know some of our plants in in europe and south america are are very very efficient and you know they uh can really really help take some of the load off of like you know the mount vernon plant um because they make a lot of different tires they have Uh, a lot of complexity within their system. And so trying to help give them breathing room, you know, then just helps Mount Vernon and Clinton and the plants overall be more efficient and ideally, um, you know, helps keep our inventory at a much more stable level to where we're not having, you know, stuff go on back order constantly or specific tires go on back order constantly. So, you know, that's an evolving process. um, But when we have significant changes on a specific tire that's dual sourced, 
um, you know, supply chain has to take that information and then, you know, potentially adjust, say, um, and, you know, then also get that communicated to the plants for them to go and then physically make that change in the machinery, right? Um, So, you know, there's a lot of different places that this information is then, you know, pulled to and reviewed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it sounds really interesting to to think about it like that. I mean, it it definitely sounds like this information goes to a lot of different places. Um, You know, you mentioned Mm -hmm. you have a lot of communication with folks at the plants and supply chains. Is there uh, any one person you think we should go to and uh, and speak to uh, about uh, the supply chain side and uh, and really where your information gets handed off? Yeah, I mean, I think um, supply chain wise, I think Amanda Massey and uh, and Lauren uh, Quinn would probably be good good starting points. They, you know, they're kind of the the gurus on that side for planning um, replenishment between the warehouses and you know what volume and and that the plants need to be producing. So you know they they would certainly be a good starting place. Perfect. Well, it sounds like we will be uh, lining up our, uh, our final interview of this podcast with Amanda and. Uh... We'll uh, we'll circle back there. But before uh, before we do that, is there any uh, any tips, tricks, or uh, advice you would give to our audience here in the field when it comes to forecasting, or anything that would help make your life a little easier, or make sure they have uh, the product they need when they need it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say two things. You know, if you have a one, just a brand new customer um, that you know didn't exist with us before, you know, let me know who that is, and uh, it just literally via email or a message in, in Teams or whatnot, um, or send it to you know to your DM to communicate to me, um, so that I can make those adjustments. That's one of the easiest things to do. Um, uh, additionally, to that. You know, if there's, uh, say, a, a tire that you're having particular issues getting for whatever reason, whether that be just from a month or two or, you know, something that's more consistent across the board of being an issue, let us, you know, know that you're having that issue as well. You know, there could be different factors into it um, that we might be able to, you know, address quickly, whether it be something with a warehouse or something with, you know, production and um, and whatnot. But yeah, you know, definitely let us know those kind of things because we can, you know, potentially make some quick adjustments to, to help. Perfect. If you have any of those kind of questions or uh, concerns or problems, reach out to, to Reed. He's a, a great guy. Happy to help you out. And Reed, we appreciate your time today and uh, and help you. And thank you for helping us learn a little bit more about how this process all works. And uh, we'll be going and talking to some of the folks at Supply Chain and really uh, seeing how we actually get the tires made and get them out of here following the forecast that you uh, work on so closely with some of our folks from the field. So thank you for your time and for making sure we've got the right tires in the right spot. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you guys for all the support and thank you for having me on, Josh. All right. Welcome back, everybody. I know you probably didn't go anywhere between our uh, our interviews here, but fortunately now I have Amanda Massey, who is joining us here in the studio, and uh, she's going to talk us through some of the last steps involving supply chain. So I'll uh, hand it over to you, Amanda, to do a quick introduction and tell our audience a little bit about yourself. All right. Thanks, Josh. So my name is Amanda Massey. I am the Demand and Supply Balancing Manager for Truck and Retread the Americas. And I have been with Continental for actually this week. It'll be nine years and almost eight years in truck tire. So been very well, interesting ride for me. Perfect. Well, congratulations and uh, and happy uh, early anniversary here, I guess, in, uh, in January of 2024 for anybody listening to this episode here in the future. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you for joining us here today. So, Amanda, you've had the chance to kind of listen to some of our earlier conversations we had with Charles Crosby and then with Reed Murrow. 
so I was kind of curious to get your thoughts on some of what they talked about, right? I mean, that's kind of the first line of defense and, uh, you know, kind of first line of information, really, uh, about the information that shows up to you to uh, really go through and start getting all of our supply chain production planning sorted out. So what did you think about the conversation we had with them? Um, I actually thought the conversation was really good. I'm glad I got a chance to listen to it before I got to talk to you. It's really nice, number one, just to refresh myself on how the process works, you know, even on the outside sales side, that there are things I know go on, but they're behind the scenes for what I kind of need to be involved in, just like what I'm going to talk about that I do is behind the scenes of what outside sales ends up needing. So it was really good to listen to it and to be able to hear it all start to finish. Uh, Charles brought up some really good points about when he's talking to customers and they are going out, you know, looking for new business or a customer approaches them about new business and really about the specific product that they're going to need. And he specifically mentioned low pro 22.5 trailers. You know, if you need one of those right now in January of 2024, we have plenty for you. But there was a time that we didn't. And there was a time that that was a shortage, you know, and then that also brought to mind for me some of the other sizes, like he mentioned 31580s, where we historically find more challenges when it comes to production. So some of our trigger sizes that we kind of refer to them as would be your 255s, your 315s, your 385s, your 425s. So those are things which we plan production in a different way in the plants versus something like a low pro 22.5. And so when we are going after business for those sizes, it's extra critical that we're getting a heads up of, hey, demand is going to substantially increase for this new customer. What does availability look like? How quickly would we be able to accommodate? You know, or maybe it's just 100 units a month and we say it's you know, yes, we'll be able to handle that. It's not a big deal. But because those trigger sizes are things that we typically produce in block production, and there's a very special machine that's set up to be able to run those specialty sizes, that we need to be more mindful of them versus 11Rs, they can run pretty much on all the machines. The low pros can run typically on all of the machines. So, you know, he, he made some really good points and I'm glad to know that they consider that. And probably also just through availability conversations that you've had in the past, people start to pick that up, but that when we're being mindful of those things, it also really helps on the supply chain side as the sooner we get the information to be able to execute more efficiently. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's really interesting to look at it that way. I mean, you think about your 11 R's or low pros, they have a lot more flexibility, but when you get into some of those more specialized sizes, there's some, some other constraints that go along with them. Right. And, uh, you know, just picking on that kind of block production you, you talked about, you know, it might not seem like a lot if you've got a customer who's going to start taking 50 of one of those sizes a month, but you also got to keep in mind, right, we're, we're planning production for the entire U.S. So if you sign one fleet, maybe there's another one coming on board in another region or something like that. I mean, those those can add up really quickly and, and put us into a bit of a bind. So I think going back to what Charles was talking about, you know, that communication through the district managers, through the region reporting is is really, really important to, to make sure we get all that information uh, over to your side, right? So it's, it's also nice to know that information's not falling on deaf ears, right? We're, we're not reporting all this uh, just for the sake of reporting it, right? It's something that actually gets utilized and and people take a look at and, and use to influence the production schedule and, and what we're going to be making in the plants. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Those are very important factors. 
All right. So, I mean, that's, that's a really good kind of summary of what Charles was talking about. And, and you know, I kind of want to talk a little bit about what Reed was looking at. I mean, Reed started talking about things kind of looking at the D.C. level. Um, you know, anything you really jump out to you from uh, from what Reed talked about, especially on that front? Yeah, so Reed made a great point about the DCs. I'd actually uh, written that down to make sure that I touched on that as well, because he does so much work for us on the DCs and looking at the forecast split by location. And as he mentioned, you know, historically, there are times when we have to pull orders from different locations that may not be the default for that customer. And he's having to go back and correct it so that historical sales being from the wrong location don't impact future availability than being in the wrong location. And it's something that, you know, if for some reason it got missed, that we would be mindful of on our side saying, hey, forecast split versus sales don't really look the same. Trying to help figure out, you know, what's driving those changes as we're replenishing, but also that we're really proactively reviewing that and reads making sure that those changes are in there so that we can ensure that we have the tires where they're truly needed in the future. I know a lot of the sales team, especially if they're in the South listening to this, have experienced over the past 12 months or so challenges with specific distribution centers and their overall warehouse capacity. So we know that Not every DC is the exact same size and it has posed challenges, which is kind of what Reed alluded to. And then we are forced to pull from other locations because it's just simply not possible to store as many tires as we would like to in those locations. So when that happens, we are then also having to correct the historical stuff in the future to say, okay, well, but what do we really want? And if we're noticing, hey, we're consistently having a problem in Grand Prairie, like there is just not enough space, then my team pulls that information. We go to read and say, hey, I know we're having to pull out of bounds and that's not necessarily where we want the the tires from, but how many tires would you truly want in this location? And we take all of that feedback to warehousing and transportation to help bridge that gap and say, hey, we don't have enough space. What are our possibilities? What are our solutions, either short-term to get space? What are our long-term planning solutions? And just to then help close that gap with the sales team. I know it's very frustrating when we don't have exactly what you need when a customer orders it. I 100% respect that. But we that doesn't mean we're not working on something in the back end, even if we're not able to do something about it right this second. And so I think that is, you know, a good point that Reed brought up and that we're able to then take that information and say, okay, historically, maybe they didn't sell a lot out of this location, but now we do. And what's our plan to fix it and make it better. So that was a, you know, a really good point just based on challenges we've faced in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's there's definitely a lot of plates spinning up in the air right now to try to keep track of with all of those different details and talking about adding storage trailers or things like that to the DC just to get a little bit extra capacity there, depending on what might be going on and trying to juggle that with the long term obligations or needs for the space. I mean, that's definitely a lot to keep track of. So, I mean, I think, you know, really, if I'm, if I'm looking through the interviews we've had with with Crosby and with Reed and with you now, I mean, it sounds like communication is, is just absolutely key, right? And I mean, it all starts kind of that TSM, FSR, 
um, cam, car, level to make sure all that information is getting through the right channels to, to get to this point, right? Uh, so I think that's that's a really good thing to, to keep track of and to, and to keep seeing here. So, I mean, at, at this point, it sounds like, you know, this information's gotten communicated to you. I, I mean, can you tell me a little bit more about what your team does and, and how you guys work with a plant? I mean, what, what does that actually look like and, and what might be some, you know, key areas that, uh, you know, are an area of focus or a, or a pain point maybe? Uh, but, but tell me a little bit more about what that looks like when you start working with a plant with this information. So then once all of the forecast is uploaded in the system and available for us to review, looking at total market demand, OE, replacements, all of North America, anybody that would pull from Clinton and Mount Vernon, it then gets reviewed with supply management and with the schedulers in the plants to be able to execute their production schedule. So supply management, currently Lauren Quinn is our main contact that handles truck and retread. So she helps support with the scheduling and helping to communicate the priorities for the market. So she and I work very closely together. I will collect all the information about what's super important if I know forecast changes are coming for the plants and then supply management will work with the plant to actually execute those and see what's possible to make schedule adjustments or to get things into the schedule in the future. There's a, a lot more going on uh, from, from your level here um, as we keep kind of going up and expanding uh, what all we're looking at. Yes, absolutely. And then, you know, another goal of our team is also to make sure that one market doesn't overpower another. I know that some are substantially larger than others. I think everyone knows U.S. is bigger than Canada and Mexico sales volumes currently. And so just by default, it would seem like, okay, well, they get the majority of the tires. And yes, although that may be the case, it's not... It's not because we are favoring them. And so that's, you know, one of the goals of our team is really to make sure that we are balancing and being fair to all markets and giving everyone the chance that they can to sell the tires they need for their customers. That we don't want to allow one area, one region, one customer to monopolize the volume for the entire market. And so that's where our team becomes a little bit like, checks and balances to try and keep everything in line and ensure that, you know, everyone really gets their fair chance at their sales volume. Cause that's how as a company, we're all going to be successful is when everyone has a chance to sell the tires that they need. Good to know. And I'm sure, uh, you know, when some folks look and see some of the massive OE orders and, and the, you know, the percentage of plant capacity, some of those take up, it can be difficult to look at, man, we're not getting any tires, but I mean, really, that's where y'all's team comes in and trying to balance that kind of demand and, and trying to make sure that everybody's getting the right number of tires and, and trying to make sure we've, we've got as much planned for as we can. So it's another another layer of complexity to add to the whole equation here, it sounds like. So looking at all this complexity here, I, I mean, there's, there's going to be times where we unfortunately can't take on that new customer, where we can't provide them with the specific tire that somebody requests at a time. So let me ask you for, for your advice. I mean, what happens or what should somebody in the field may look at doing if, unfortunately, supply chain has to say, hey, that's not something we can accommodate right now? What, what would be your advice to somebody in the field? What would be some things um, that you think they could look at or things they could try to, to kind of work through, maybe work around or, or find a solution for their customer? 
So one thing I would say is when, and it's just like a little bit of a preface, if we do have to say no for some reason, typically I, we try to come back with, okay, it's not right now, but in two months, in three months, whatever the timeline may be, if we're able to map it out, we try not to just have a, an indefinite no, unless there's something really out of our control going on. But the other thing that we try to do, and it's helpful if the sales team is looking at it also, is if it's no or not right now on a specific product, is there another alternative that you would want us to review to still be able to get the customer, even if it isn't with your original priority product? I know it's not always possible, especially because things are application specific, but every now and then we do run into an instance where okay, that specific tire wasn't available, but this tire will work as a substitution. I know we've done things in the past for some customers when they wanted a specific CET3 and we didn't have it available, but we had the hybrid HT3. Again, I know it's going to come down to the application of the customer, but if there are other options you want us to consider, then let us know and we will review everything that's possible to be able to give you a yes. That's really what we want. We want everyone to be able to get the sales and to get the customer and be able to execute. And so having, if it's not a strict, has to be make or break only this one product, then let us know what the options are so that we have a better proposal to come back to you with if option A is not fully sustainable at this time. Perfect. Yeah, I think that's a good takeaway. It gives us some options here. And, and I mean, you guys don't enjoy saying no, right? It's not something we want to turn away as, as new business, right? So it, uh, it goes into more of that communication again, right? I mean, this has been one of our themes throughout, I think, is, uh, is really just being able to make sure everyone's communicating um, through this chain here so we can try to make sure we, we avoid those situations where we say, hey, we don't have the capacity right now. Um, you know, I, th I think the more we can talk and, and the more we can get this information shared from your uh, district managers to your region managers up through the forecasting team and then uh, over to our supply chain team, uh, the less likely we are to, to be in those kinds of situations and uh, the more likely we are to have the, the right tire in the right spot at the right time, it sounds like. So I think that's that's probably a pretty good spot for us to, to start to wrap up here. So Amanda, I'll, I'll give you the floor if you have anything you'd like to tell the field or any uh, last minute pieces of advice for them. Uh, as we uh, we wrap up this episode. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, for me, the biggest thing is, and you just talked touched on it, is the communication. And I just have to say thank you to the team, everybody, the sales team for Replacement US, for Canada, Mexico, OE. Everybody has been great. I think especially we were working on it a lot before the pandemic, but then during the pandemic and now post-pandemic, you know, the communication and keeping everybody in the loop and making sure we have feedback as quickly as possible about what's coming. I just cannot say how thankful from the supply chain side we are that that happens to really give us the best plan of action to be able to increase when we're going to have these new orders, to be able to accommodate new customers coming on board, to be able to get additional warehouse capacity in certain locations, all of these things that happen in the background that take time and planning. And just thank you to the team for being willing to let us know what's going on and trusting us to be able to really execute and give the best possible solution. 
Perfect. Well, always nice to be able to end on a uh, on a pat on the back for everybody in the field here and for our sales team. So thank you again for your time today, Amanda, and for uh, talking to us a little bit more about supply chain. And even though they're not in the studio right now, hopefully they're listening in. Thank you, uh, Charles and Reed, for uh, for being willing to participate in this as well. Um, folks, I can tell you, after spending a, a good chunk of time with all these folks at Supply Chain, they're all great to talk to. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to them. Um, you know, Feel free to talk to your district managers. Hopefully this uh, gets a good dialogue started for you guys and, and your teams here. Um, and uh, as we move into 2024, or whenever you're listening to this podcast, I guess. But uh, until uh, next month, we will uh, sign off. But uh, until then, guys, keep on rolling, and we will see you in the next episode.